On this episode of the podcast, we discuss The Undertaker, his retirement, his career, his longevity, and where he stands in WWE history. Have a listen, give us some feedback, and enjoy. So gentlemen, welcome to the podcast once again. Spud, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Potsy. Thank you very much. I'm I'm always on the podcast, let's face it, so it'd be rubbish without me. You know, you're like part of the furniture. And speaking of the furniture, another piece of furniture, Neelers, you're on the podcast. Well, it's a highly polished piece of furniture. <laughs> I'm very glad to be here. So today's topic, obviously it's the major talking point in the wrestling industry right now, or one-off. Sadly, it's not the only major topic in the wrestling industry, but it's one of the most important topics in the wrestling industry right now. We're talking about The Undertaker retiring. Spud, we'll start with you. Leaves a massive legacy. Just give me some thoughts on The Undertaker's legacy that he leaves behind and any anything you're thinking about regarding his career. Um, I don't think he's retiring. Straight off the bat, I don't think that's the last we'll see of him. It doesn't make sense. Um... I don't think he would have done it the way he did it, even though the AJ match was great. Um, I think he'll retire, but he'll still be floating about. I think he'll make appearances. I'm almost certain that he signed a contract. I think we mentioned it in text. He signed like a five-year contract. So I'm guessing that's appearances, but I think it's going to be matches. And I just read earlier that he's still not counting out never having a match again. That being said, he's one of the most enduring characters of all time. He's one of my favorite characters. Fantastic worker. Watching the documentary, like you used to have as well, um, you just realize how important he is to everybody. He's been a leader. He's been fantastic for 30 years, except when he was fat as the American badass. But (laughs) aside from that, like, two, three-year window, he's been fantastic. So, very important. Definitely up there with the best of all time. With something Spud said there, Neil, Spud wasn't... I'm not sure I'm not going to say he wasn't a fan of the American Badass, unless he wants to jump in and confirm that, but reading into it, it doesn't sound like it was too high up on the American Badass character. I know you were a huge fan of the American Badass character. Just give me some of your thoughts on The Undertaker's legacy and different you know, career characters and presentations of his character, specifically the Badass. I'll not lie. I loved it. So... I always remember when he came back, when he returned as the American Badass at Judgment Day 2000 during the Rock Triple H Anon match, and he raised holy hell during it. Do you know what? Like, obviously, the whole Phenom gimmick is sort of, it stood the test of time, and it's the one he'll always be most fondly remembered for, but I have to say, I actually preferred the American Badass gimmick, and I know like, that's just a personal touch, but... I, I love the the gimmick with the American Badass because it, it gave him more like, creative freedom on the mic. And he says it himself on that documentary that had he not changed with the times, he he doesn't think the character would have lasted that long. I remember him saying that on in the documentary. I, it's going to sound really, really strange. I don't know if I agree with him when he said that, just purely on the fact that the dead man did come back in 2004 and done another 16 years and done really, really well. But it did allow him to sort of move in a different kind of way as as the badass, you know, involved with those hardcore title matches and feuds and in and out of the mid-card sometimes in a very unique, brilliant way. Posse, you say there that you don't, 
like you kind of disagree that if if he hadn't changed because obviously he came back as a phenom in 2004 but the thing is from like 2010 onwards he was only showing up a couple of times a year so you could get away with that still where i think what he meant was doing it week in week out it wouldn't have lasted yeah possibly yeah i'm almost certain the american badass come back at judgment day or was it not raw no, he came back at Judgment Day and interfered in the Iron Man match between Triple H and The Rock because Shawn Michaels was a special guest ref. And then because he attacked DX and Triple H, Shawn Michaels disqualified The Rock for the last count and so Triple H won. I don't hate the gimmick. I just, he got lazy and his own admission, he got fat. There is a period in like 2000 where he's wearing those awful snakeskin trousers and he's fat he's literally got like a beer gut and yeah that's towards the end of the year you're right yeah and it's that specific time i'm talking about and he just seemed to get a wee bit lazy and botchy and all his matches were kind of boring and yeah. so that's what i mean i don't dislike it i, I dislike all of his steam tunes as american badass as well <laughs> terrible bands terrible choices but i don't completely dislike it even even his phenom gimmick or the undertaker gimmick as a whole even as the dead man and all these different he's he's had different types of gimmicks as the one in the one gimmick if you know what i mean if if i can Mm -hmm. really word it that way going right variants yeah yeah you're right variants would be a a far better word spud talk to me about the like his debut and how you've what you thought of his his debut in those first couple of months because i he just came in and he's one of those guys that made an immediate impact yeah it's more the the size of him and it's still back in the day where people were genuinely freaked out and believed like a hundred percent like i think it would have remember when bray Wyatt debuted in the raw chanting husky harris yeah because people are smart now and they can't just enjoy stuff but back then you had kids like proper like covering their mouths and near crying because this big creepy evil looking pale dude is coming down massive impact up until i think he won the title the following year and he was the youngest ever up to that point which sounds more impressive than it actually is because you know it was just hulk hogan for like a decade but after that he kind of floundered a bit i think they were just feeding him the big guys so the first couple of years very massive impact and then he kind of drifted off a little bit and just done monster of the week kind of feuds like yeah. You had your Kamalas, Yokozunas, uh, Jan Gonzalez, a whole host. But I do remember don't, returning Don't face forget the Executioner. Cool. The Executioner, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember him turning face and how cool it was because uh, he was in a feud with Jake, Jake or Snakers, one of my faves. Yeah. And Jake the Snake was torturing Macho Man and Liz. Yeah. And... He'd been like a hell the whole time, like Taker had, and he like saved Liz, and it's like, oh, he's he's actually dead on, you know, he's got a bit of bit of feelings behind him and all. So yeah. yeah, massive, massive character, really good start. It's just maintaining that. I think the early '90s sort of era didn't do him any massive favors match wise. He was very limited what he could do. Yeah, and that what he was allowed to do. You know? Yeah, and that obviously progressed over a period of time. Neil, one of your something I always relate to you because I find it very comical at WrestleMania, 
he beat Yokozuna and he was feuding with sort of DiBiase and all his sort of minions let's put it that way and there was other people that were involved there as you people you mentioned earlier Spud King Kong Bundy and there's actually the big casket match of that year SummerSlam I believe but Neil going all the way back to then the Survivor Series where he debuted wearing that opera mask you know that sort of grey kind of mask what did you what did you when you look back to the Undertaker's career is because that's one of the Undertakers that I'm particularly not a fan of did you have any that's sort not, of he didn't have that when he debuted no no not the debut yeah. it was sort of it was around 96 was it or maybe 95 it was it was, it was with Bret Hart it was 95 uh, Mabel broke his eye socket yes that's yeah. right out of all the different characters you talked about how you like the badass and stuff like that you go back to maybe those earlier forms do you think as, as Spud said it definitely hindered him in terms of his in-ring work do you think those characters hindered him a bit in terms of his personality I would just say it's more maybe that era of wrestling would have hindered him more because, you know, back then it was more cartoony as the 90s progressed, or sorry, I get further on down the line throughout the 90s, WWE, it obviously had to change, it had to evolve, and so it got more edgier, which then helped Undertaker's character, and then it was able to do, you know, a variety of different variants to his character, Obviously, it led into the whole Ministry of Darkness thing eventually. But you know, even before that, the matches with Shawn Michaels, you know, the Hell in a Cell against Shawn Michaels, the Hell in a Cell against Mankind. You had like Inferno matches with Kane, and that sort of helped solidify him as like one of the proper top dogs. Now I know he won the WWF title against Sid at WrestleMania in 1997. As the 90s progressed. The Undertaker character persona was was a lot more edgier, as opposed to being a lot more gimmicky, which it was back in the early nineties. And you know, wrestling back then was a lot more comical or like tongue in cheek. You couldn't really take it seriously. But then the whole change in attitudes in general, you know, with WCW WWF, that helped uh, Undertaker get over a lot more. Yeah, and then something you, you spoke about earlier, Spud, was he was kind of put against always the big men. And if you look at a couple of his first title reigns, you know, was it he beat Hulk Hogan, or was it some screwy sort of finish, if I remember correctly, Psycho Sid, and then Diesel. It's, it's almost like he was only, he was winning the title against the big men, whereas they sort of kept the Bret Hart's and the sort of the, the smaller guys. When I say smaller, they're still pretty big compared to some of today's wrestlers, but... They kept some of those smaller guys really away from him in terms of the title, in terms of winning the title anyway. Do you hold much stock, maybe? that's Maybe that's the way to word it, between those matches with The Undertaker, Sid and Diesel? Or do you think it was very much like, here's just two big men, seven foot tall, with great gimmicks, the fans want to see it, and then the WWE just chucked them together? I mean, Vince is all about, you know, big guys. Big guys versus big guys. It's more impressive seeing two giants go against each other in his head i always thought he worked better with smaller guys but the match the diesel match is actually really good and overlooked the sid match is absolutely atrocious but like it's really bad it's probably the worst mania main event off the top of my head 
really think of anything more. But uh, you find even when he was going into his best storyline ever, I mean, it's against Kane and he's a big guy. Yeah. So he does work well. I think he even said in the documentary, the last uh, episode, that he works better with smaller dudes. Uh, your Shawn Michaels, I think he has great chemistry with. Uh, Bret Hart and him had a couple of really good matches. Yeah. So I think it's the nature of the beast i think he started to improve when the steroid scandal happened and smaller guys in general were being used more yeah i would agree, um, I would agree with yeah you so on that. just somebody to bounce off it's i think it's more impressive seeing bret hart literally trying to chop this big guy down than two guys just trying to out big boot each other but <laughs> uh, the first couple of years he was just used as this gimmick excuse the per word choice but it's like every undertaker match felt a wee bit like its own thing it's the same way andre the giant andre didn't really need the title i never really liked undertaker with the title because he was his own thing it's like oh the undertakers at wrestlemania happy days have to watch it so the first couple of years were not fantastic but it just shows how good he is uh, that he has that longevity and was able to go through the Kamala cat- casket matches, going to heaven after the Yokozuna match. You know, it's it's some hokey stuff, and he powered through, and he's had great matches with pretty much everybody when you look back at it, except for Sid. Yeah, and, and, and sticking with that, Neil, I want to come to you with this one. We have... A spot, is, a spot is rightly brought up there. Undertaker's got better over time whenever the things change and he wasn't seen as just a gimmick. But when you see a lot of big men in wrestling, now, I don't mean to be too overly critical here, but a lot of the bigger men aren't the best technically. They're not great wrestlers. It's the fact that they're believable. It's the fact they can just like do big boots. They can punch people. They can step over the top rope from the apron you know, without any particular trouble. But The Undertaker was one of those guys that could actually wrestle as well he could actually he was very good at telling a story he was very good at, at laying out a match and whatnot and, and going through a proper feud and getting someone over and a massive example of that is was Kane at wrestlemania 14 but give me some thoughts on the undertaker just as a worker in general where do you start because even for a big guy he's really agile you know when he does that he runs off the ropes and he jumps and does that sort of flying clothesline or he again does the jump out of the ring and you know and that sort of like flying clothesline that big dive he, he can go especially with someone the likes of Shawn michaels i mean you only have to look at wrestlemania 25 and wrestlemania 26 their matches were unbelievable so he, he's one of those guys that can help turn chicken doo-doo into chicken salad so it's I wouldn't say you know he's up like in the top ten most technical wrestlers ever, or even the most gifted. But like you'd be up there as one of the best workers, definitely, because throughout the years he's had to adapt to a variety of wrestling, a variety of different wrestlers, and then you know he's added in the odd tweak, you know, you know with the UFC gloves and all that sort of as well, and you know the punches and all. So he's tweaked it a bit over the years, but he would definitely be up there as one of the best workers ever. Yeah. I think um, going back to like 1997 and sort of 97 to maybe 99 would probably be my favourite Undertaker. 
um, in 97 where he was the champ drops it to Brett and goes into the first Hell in the Cell match with Shawn Michaels and I think that's a very underrated match Spud you, you would be a huge fan I assume of, of Taker during that time period and of probably Shawn Michaels as well do you have any thoughts on that Hell in the Cell match? Yeah it was uh, revolutionary it's took I, I think you're saying it's underrated i think it's the fact that what happened in the next hell in a cell and hell in a cell since then yeah. it looks tame mm-hmm. it's like it's like the first ladder match that we were talking about i think last week wasn't it mm-hmm. um it at the time it's fantastic seeing sean fall i know it wasn't from the very top but going through the the table from like 12 feet up say i don't know off the top of my head yeah. um JR and commentary makes everything 10 times better unless it's 2020 <laughs> and um, yeah I love that match I love the Undertaker at this point looking back I used to like Shawn Michaels just for the DX stuff he's fantastic and when you know what he was going through backstage or what he was doing backstage yeah, I think it's he might he has to be the best of all time surely because he couldn't talk in interviews sometimes. But anyway, uh, The Undertaker, another great match. I completely forgot to mention that when I was talking about it. Like you said, it's overlooked, but I'm probably going to watch it after this, actually. Yeah. Why and, not? And it's even, the debut of Yeah. Debut Kane. I was going to say, even the, even the storyline of the debut of Kane all yeah. woved into the one big, big match, big main event, big match fail. I'm just glad that they didn't do what they planned to do and have Kane debut with a cape because I think that yes. would have destroyed him immediately. <laughs> had, had this whole idea where Kane was like, he had like mental issues obviously and stuff like that. His character did. And Paul Bearer picked him up to be a superhero. <laughs> so that was his whole thing uh, before they changed it. But they were going to have like the Superman logo, but with a K and a cape and a whole like superhero <laughs> that's true that is yeah, true that is a true story um, and i'm really that's... glad that didn't happen because Kane would have had a career he probably would have yeah. he would have just been one match the undertaker and he was gone you know a bit like a bit like chains for the under faker from was it 1995 yeah 94 i think 94 uh, yeah yeah but a uh, fantastic match i forgot all about Kane when i was talking there um <laughs> until i sort of but ripping the door off that's got to be Kane. Yeah. Best debut of all time, I think. Yeah, but, um, you would have that 100%. Yeah, has to be, um, considering how long he lasted as well. But, yeah, the start of my, probably my favourite storyline of all time, and a fantastic match to go along with it. So, 10 out of 10. And not even just that, Nate, we'll, we'll come to you here. The Undertaker's had a, had a, a massive influence in not a, many generations now of wrestling, but... What always impresses me about him, he's a company man. He has no issue putting people over. And if you go back to 1997, yes, at times he's protected and he has to be because of his character. But 97, he lost clean to Shawn Michaels. Well, I say clean asterisk Starks. There's no DQs in Hell in the Cell unless it's 2019. Um, Stone Cold Cold pinned him clean. SummerSlam 98. You go on. The Rock has beat him clean. There's so many people have beat him clean, but it's been it's been purposeful. You know, you can even go right through to sort of somewhat closer to modern times and say Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, Reigns at 33. Did the great Pali not beat him clean? 
I think Kali did at one point. Oh, yeah. That might have been for his world title ring. But <laughs> it, did. Me, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't for the world title. No. But give me some thoughts no. on The Undertaker putting people over because that's that's massive for someone who, as Spud has rightly said at times, he doesn't even need the belt. He's his own thing. Well, I mean, you only have to look. Well, there's only been two people that have beat him at WrestleMania. And one is obviously Brock Lesnar. The second one, Roman Reigns. You know, it's, it's done him. The world look good. I mean, it's, it's a feather to put in his cap. Um, you see, the whole thing there, you know, about putting people over and stuff, we alluded to that in one of our other podcasts, whereas the other week, where back in the day, you would have had wrestlers, characters, and they would have lost, and they could have lost clean, but the next week they bounce back, and that's a problem that they don't really do nowadays. So Undertaker could afford to take a few losses back then, um, because of his, his character was so good, his character was over, it was strong, because of how good he actually was, and still is. So, it's... Uh, I, I mean, if you could beat The Undertaker clean, that, that's always going to look good on your CV, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, that whole summer of 1998, it, it, the, the build-up, that SummerSlam was was okay but they had the rock and triple h in the mid card in that famous ladder match and then they had austin and taker main eventing and where austin went over taker clean they had a massive build towards that summer slam in that match and undertaker really really done the job there to help although austin was already the top star in the business it was really that sort of pat in the back going no this really is our top star right now well uh, i'm just gonna say i think putting over clean and stuff like that and winning against the undertaker that's not always necessary to be like put over yeah like you have your jeff hardy he lost that match but it's probably his most lauded matches uh randy orton at wrestlemania looked fantastic like he has had people just fighting the undertaker especially at mania towards the last sort of uh 15 years say is a lot what's the word it's it, just being it's part of far, that it's, it's it's beneficial yeah just being part of it is kind of like up until a couple of years ago it's like right there's the main event and there's the undertaker match and sometimes they're the same so yeah. i think just being rubbing shoulders you always like to use that phrase uh Podsy, so just rubbing shoulders with taker just brings you up a few steps and he's all he always seems like he's willing to help people out yeah uh, at the performance center and all so I don't think losing to him hurts anybody, if yeah. I'm honest, because he's such a legend and he's been here for three decades. So yeah, that was kind yeah, of just that, was my, one there. that was my next yeah. point actually. Yeah. Before you you jumped the head off me, I was going to bring up the Sorry. likes of the Jeff Hardy, the RVDs and stuff. But Neil, go ahead, you had something to add. No, I was just saying there when Spud was saying about actually getting the opportunity to wrestle Taker, especially at Mania. You know, it was. The chance to rub shoulders with him, you know, would really help put people on the map. I was saying that Edge was another one. They had a really good feud in 2008, late 2007 to mid 2000. Actually, I had to, so it was like Survivor Series 2007 right through until SummerSlam 2008. Like, I mean, that's nearly the guts of a year, and it was a great feud. He's just one of those characters. Oh, it's almost like Brock Lesnar. In, in today's they'll use a, maybe a different example you know when, you, when you're one on one with Lesnar it's like okay this sort of means something just because of who Brock is and it's probably like that with The Undertaker but bigger purely because The Undertaker has a lot more wrestling fans attached to him than maybe a Brock Lesnar 
But it's funny because today I actually watched it was a WWE top ten and it was like top ten wrestlers, like obscure wrestlers that Undertaker has faced over the years or people you you didn't realise and there were some random ones in it that Taker's faced over the years and you're just like, Well, I forgot about that. <laughs> like people like Val Venus in the right to censor, he was on the list. John Morrison was also on it, the Miz was on it. Spike Dudley, you know, there's all these sort of random people that you wouldn't really expect to be fighting The Undertaker. Was Sting on it? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> he has fought Sting. Well, that's Sting why I wanted to see if the, if they went way back to the to the original. It was a bit was a big yeah. Mark versus Steve Borden or something that's at the time. Mean Mark Calloway. Yeah, big it. bad Mark. Uh, no, he wasn't on it, but uh, there was a couple of random ones. That it was, I think the one that stood out for me was Val Venus because of the white trousers. <laughs> Huge right to censor fun of her. We might do a podcast and write the censor one time, Neil. I don't know if Spottle want to do that one. but We did do, a, we did do one. <laughs> basically, basically did one on the right to censor previously. Um, I want to, before we really hit the streak, I want to talk about taker in 98 99 and the ministry period spud one of your all-time favorites best taker best day music too best day music yep <laughs> teardrop taker teardrop taker is like 98 and then 99 is where he had that mad goatee and it was proper ministry uh, i loved him then he was proper evil <laughs> it was like he was kidnapping stephanie and chris Affaner. he was beating up jobbers and just making them join the ministry i loved them it was really, really a, them. it was really a slow build wasn't it you know when you look back to sort of this it was really late december where he first came out like that and sort of cut a promo and you're like oh where, where's this going and then every week yeah. on raw it was like just sort of something slow like for one one week the undertaker and paul bird turned up and the beat up midian and i was just like well, what's the purpose but it slowly slowly began to really grab a lot of momentum the, uh, the same with, I think it's Royal Rumble 99, they come out and get Viscera, yeah. or Mabel at the time, and turn them into Viscera. So, like I said, it's a, it turned out to be a load of jobbers, and I'm guessing they're all just Undertaker's mates that he wanted to hang about with. But, <laughs> loved the ministry. Really, really loved it. And like we were talking about earlier, the theme music is fantastic. Yeah, and it was really around that time that they probably really clicked they went oh wait he's unbeaten at wrestlemania and then it slowly became be- began to become a thing mm-hmm. so neil talking about the streak and um, before we get to some of the later matches some of those earlier matches that that stick out to me obviously is the Kane one at wrestlemania 14 the boss man sticks out for all the wrong reasons um and we had Triple H at WrestleMania 17. Just talk me through some of the Undertaker's WrestleMania matches um, around that time, so 98 to 05-ish. You're forgetting the five-star classic between The Undertaker and Jan Gonzalez. <laughs> what an instant classic that was. <laughs> it's a DQ One by win. DQ. Yeah. One by DQ. I know. Um, well... Out of those ones that you mentioned there, Potsy, the one that would stand out for me is the WrestleMania 17 match against Triple H. Funny, I actually watched the promo that sort of started the build-up to them fighting at Mania that year, and Taker is brilliant on the mic as the badass there, because he's obviously got a bit more creative freedom, and Triple H is saying he's beaten everyone, and he should be in 
the main event and blah 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 and basically taker comes out and as i said whilst you were scratching and clawing and kicking and then he said and screwing your way to the top and i just that always takes me to the fair i thought that was a brilliant line stephanie's just looking at him like you know what the hell are you saying he's just awesome on the mic and that that was a really good feud because you remember triple h binned him afterwards and i had the chair over his neck and all and he was like lying like looking up at triple h on the chair that was a good wrestlemania match as well and at that stage you know the streak it hadn't really gained any traction i think they referred to him after he won that match it said he went whatever number of matches he'd won at that stage the zero and nine Uh and but at that stage the the streak really hadn't got much traction and there's a couple of times that you think jesus triple h hasn't beat here but (laughs) obviously he doesn't but that's the one i always remember uh wrestlemania 17 and it was always cool the way you know he came in the limp biscuit and rolling that was epic Mm -hmm. as well did you know that that match that, that, that triple h and taker were actually left off the card until about a month before WrestleMania, and then JR was going over the card with Vince, and was like, we haven't got Undertaker on the card. And then it was like, oh, we haven't got Triple H on the card either. So they ended up just sticking them together. That's how that really started. Right, I didn't know that, but then that worked out brilliantly, because then that all led down to that feud the month after with Triple H and Austin against Taker and Kane, which was brilliant as well. So it's funny how it's sort of like, it was like serendipity then, you know, they didn't realise and then they stumbled across something brilliant by that. But yeah. that WrestleMania 17 is the one that always stands out for me uh, out of those early earlier matches you're talking about there. Everyone, it, it seems to be that WrestleMania 17 is mentioned a lot, no matter what podcast we talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah, before we go on WrestleMania 18. Yep, can I just but... jump in? Right, sorry. A uh, couple of things. I think Taker's awful on the mic. I think he's proper. I'm not just saying this to disagree. I think he he's awful if he's not just doing his uh, dead man stuff. I see the oh you you're in my yard. Get out of my yard, shtick. I hate all that. <laughs> it's I like my, that. I, no, no, I'm literally just saying I'm I'm not a fan just because you said it. Also, rolling and limp biscuits terrible. And uh, I only know it was nine and zero because the Ric Flair match the year later he does the ten fingers. Yeah. After he wins, that's literally the only reason I'm not like a wrestling savant. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Ric Flair match at WrestleMania 18. Um, watched it recently. Great. Huge fan of Ric Flair in general. Huge fan of Taker in general. Putting them together. When you actually look at that card and everyone rightly talks about Hogan and, and Rock. It's, it's very, very interesting to me that Ric Flair versus Undertaker at WrestleMania is on that card, and it's sort of just one of the first five matches of the show. Whereas when I, I look back, I think that should have been higher on the card. Maybe not right before Rock and Hogan to you know, zap some stuff from the fans, but definitely a lot higher, more prominent. Spud, you spoke about it earlier where people were rubbing shoulders with Undertaker, and it made them look good, and we talked about it with Neil about him putting people over. During the build-up to WrestleMania 18 and before those, maybe a year, year and a half before, you had him joining forces with Kane, Brothers of Destruction, Tag Team Champions, challenging Edge and Christian, the Dudleys. He was feuding with RVD. He was feuding with Jeff Hardy. There was stuff done with Maven. Canyon and DDP and Maven at that at that year's Royal Rumble. Just give me some thoughts on the Undertaker. And don't did forget you, you... the right to censor. 
<laughs> that two-week <laughs> thing on SmackDown. Just talk to me, Spud, about... Do you think Taker was very much saying, you know what, I don't need to be in the title picture, I want to work with him, him backstage, or do you think it was just proper writing and he was doing what he was told? I mean, I'm probably asking here just to sort of get a crystal ball out, but anyway, give me your thoughts. I think it's a little column A, little column B. I think in the documentary, again, I'm going to refer to it because it's the reason we're doing this podcast, um, but he talks about the Randy Orton match, or Randy Orton actually said, talks about the first match they had, and he was putting them over. So I think he's always got it in his head to help out a maven, to help out, uh, what did you call that awful Australian guy teamed with? Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. That's the one, Nathan Jones. Albert Big Show. (laughs) He took Big Show under his wing a couple of times. Obviously, he always had Kane with him. I mean, he did ruin DDP and most of WC, the Chronic, and they were his mates. (laughs) But, um, no, I think he's always had it in his head. He's always, like you said earlier, it's like he's a company guy and he seems like he wants to help people out. So I could see him just going, you know what, I'm not doing anything at the minute. Let me have a go at the hardcore division. Let's yeah. me, and, me and Raven all nearly ruin WrestleMania 17. <laughs> and uh, I just think, he does get it into his head. It's like, do you know what? I'm just going to feud with such and such. It's like, yeah, yeah, Albert. He, did, Spud, Adrian, he, he didn't feud with Raven at WrestleMania 17. Sure, he, and he won the, the, he won oh, the hard, talking, It was Kane and Big Show, sorry. Um, yeah, he won the hardcore title off RVD at Vengeance. Yeah. There we go. Sorry, I just got my two my brothers of destruction <laughs> mixed up. My bad. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, just being in the hardcore scene for a while he used to wear it around his neck like a loser and come down his bike and uh I, the more i talk about it the more i hate american badass you know <laughs> the un-americans the un-americans he feuded against them so yeah i think he's always had it in his head to sort of be thinking of others and thinking of the next gen almost. yeah and you, you brought up randy orton there and mm-hmm. during that american badass or time period or maybe in the heel version big evil um neil he had a couple of different feuds with some people who became some of the all-time greats there was a bit of back and forward with john cena at a couple of pay-per-views no mercy i think being one um and then ultimately he went on sorry it was the year before cena was a year after the year before he had lesnar at two pay-per-views unforgiven and no mercy and a very underrated first hell in the cell match between the two I think he's handpicked those guys to work with at that point. Well, he really helped solidify Brock Lesnar because Brock beat him quite a few times. He not beat him in a chain match as well. Yeah. And then he beat him in the Hell in a Cell. Yeah. I think Undertaker's done absolute wonders for Brock Lesnar over the years. Not not even including, you know, the streak, but back when Brock became the youngest champion at the time and then to help solidify him he was putting a feud with Undertaker and even to win it or sorry even to win the 2003 Royal Rumble Brock eliminated Undertaker last yeah so you know Undertaker really did help solidify Brock Lesnar as a main event star it was very he's he's done his bit like you know over the years to help people yeah to me it was very reminiscent of taker and austin was the taker and lesnar it was like okay here's the new champ we need to get him over right taker you're up you know i know austin was that's the thing like taker red hot taker took taker took a few 
defeats in that, and it, it didn't harm his mystique or his aura at all. Yeah. Because he was still the Undertaker. Yeah. Um, now, I, I get that by that stage, the whole American badass, dead man, big evil gimmick, you know, was sort of coming to the end. Um, but it's still, you know, it, Undertaker could still take a defeat, and it, it made no difference. Like, he was still the Undertaker. He's still amazing. Yeah. And then return, obviously, to the dead man. Spud 2004 comes back. So- Beats Kane at WrestleMania and probably one of their worst matches, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't great. But I want to move on to when he done very very well and actually was solidifying a brilliant heel. Just the timing wasn't great. Muhammad Hassan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's a hundred percent Italian fella that the pretenders wasn't yeah. Italian. Yeah. Um, I like the gimmick. At the start, when uh, the gimmick was, you people are racist against me because of certain events, but you're painting everybody with the same brush. I like that aspect of it. It's like here, making fans look into themselves. It's like, usually when Russian guys or Ukrainian guys pretend to be Russian or a variety of other countries pretend to be Russian in the WWE, they're the bad guys because they're not from America. Yeah. Um. And it's. I was like, this has got a little bit of depth to it. Oh my god, they're actually trying something new here. Then it deviated into there's guys with balaclavas choking them out with piano wire. Not a great <laughs> jump, especially the timing of it. Yeah. Um. Because it was the seven seven London bombings, I believe. Yeah. You're right. Um. But loved the character at the start, and just having him. This is a weird time for for Taker. This is your JBL, Muhammad Hassan, um, sort of era where Kozlov, you know, um, he's always willing to work. He'll do what he's told. He's got that much respect for Vince, and you can see that in the documentary. They're like crying and they love each other, for God's sake. I think that if it's important and Vince is like, I need you to do this, this guy's going to be the next big heel, he'll do it. Yeah. He's just that kind of guy, and I think he's happy enough, literally helping people out, like talking through matches afterwards and all as well. Yeah. So, massive fan of that gimmick. Let's not talk about the ending. <laughs> yeah, and then shortly after that, Taker began the feud. As you said, there was a bit of a, it's, I would put it, there's a bit of a chasm maybe in that sort of 2004-5 time with who he could really work with. Um, but one of the people that he did sort of rub shoulders with, um, maybe in the 2006-7 time period, was Mr. Kennedy, a favourite of yours. Yeah. Um, again, this is a sort of weird time. This is where I was dipping in and out of wrestling, so I'm not going to be as detailed as I have been, unfortunately. Always liked Mr. Kennedy. Um, I think he did beat him clean. I think he beat him clean in a pay-per-view. Yeah, first blood. Um, first blood. There you go. What a pay-per-view. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not massive into this, sort of, especially SmackDown. Uh, it's very much a grey area for me, but in terms of Mr. Kennedy, I'm like his biggest fan. I think I'm his, I'm his only fan these days. <laughs> but uh, looking back, that definitely had to big up Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, then- and it shows how much stock they were putting into him. I think that's he's kind of the gatekeeper of the WWE. Yeah, it's like if you can't have a good match with Taker, there's something seriously wrong, and we'll have to consider 
other options going forward. Yeah. And then that was also roughly around the time where, maybe a couple of years before that, 2004 or 5-ish, was really when the streak really became an actual thing that WWE would maybe market, you know, every WrestleMania, like, oh, who's going to take on the streak this year? Or or who would who could potentially beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania? And that's when he had those matches with Randy Orton at 21, Mark Henry at 22, and Batiste at 23. Now, you, st- you sort of got out of wrestling for a while, but then you came back in around WrestleMania 23. What was your thoughts watching Taker and Batista? Well, Batista was presented as a, a credible threat to beat him. They had a really, really good match. And Batista still looked strong in that defeat. And then, okay, Undertaker got the win at WrestleMania. But then, you know, after that, they had a last one standing match, which both of them, you know, were, were, were counted out. And then they had the draw in the cage match. So that match itself at WrestleMania, Batista was a legitimate, credible threat to the streak so when undertaker actually beat him for the title you were like wow you know that's that's actually like you know impressive you know that he's added added um batista to the list of names that have fallen against him at wrestlemania so again around then as you say the streak was starting to gain a lot of traction in a sense that the streak was actually bigger than the title matches itself yeah. Like it, it was starting to become bigger than that. Okay, at WrestleMania 23 and WrestleMania 24, Taker was fighting. The streak obviously was on the line, but like he was fighting for the world title at those WrestleManias as well. So there was like a bit more, you know, thrown into the mix of it. In fact, I think WrestleMania 24 was that that was the last WrestleMania Taker fought for the title against Edge. I think I'm right. Yeah. But yeah, like at WrestleMania 23, him and Batista. Uh, that was that was a super match. I'm sure you were even talking about it last week that you'd maybe argue it should have been on as the main event ahead of Cena and Shawn Michaels. But yeah. like, at, at that stage, it was sort of a common Undertaker is WrestleMania. Like yeah. I know they say or Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, but in essence, the Undertaker is WrestleMania. Yeah. And that's the way it was presented from there on in. Like every year, they made such a big deal about the streak and the importance of it, the, the gravitas of it and stuff. So it, it really did start to take off from there. Yeah, and sticking with the streak at WrestleMania, Spud, um, mm-hmm. Neil spoke there about Batista, 23. You obviously mentioned Randy Orton earlier um, mm-hmm. at 21, which is a very underrated match. Then you had to Edge at 24, mm-hmm. which was a very good match as well. And then WrestleMania 25 comes along, and it's quite possibly the best match in WWE history. Give me some, give me some thoughts on WrestleMania 25, specifically Shawn Michaels Undertaker match. But as Neil spoke about, there were times where the Taker and WrestleMania sort of became bigger than the title match. I'm and I'm a huge advocate of the title should always go on last. I'm a huge advocate of that. But there are little instances where every now and again there's one match which is bigger than the title match, and I yeah. think this was one of those instances where they got it wrong. Well, they figured it out uh, for the following year uh, that obviously it would have to go on last. But there is instances, your WrestleMania 18's Rock Hogan should have went on last. Uh, 25, 25 Undertaker versus Michaels should have only went on last because of hindsight. It's widely regarded as one of the best ever. Um, what what can I say that hasn't already been said a thousand times about this match? It's fantastic. Um, the work rate, it's 
is it my favourite? I think, again, hindsight would have me pick uh, the Hell in a Cell with Mankind, which we glossed over because we talked that to death as well. Yeah. Um, but that's just because I was nine and it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. But um, <laughs> by the time it is, by the time WrestleMania 25 came around, um, it was a more technical match. We were talking about Taker as a worker. I think from Orton until Mania, the Triple H Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. That shows how good he could be. I think that block, that like seven, eight year run. There's Punk. Sorry. That's what I was going to say. It is CM Punk at 29 was the best match on the card by a company man. Yeah. Well, there we go. I just forgot, but I remembered there. But like, right, say from the 20s, the WrestleMania 20s were all my favourite sort of Undertaker era um, in terms of match quality. But um, I still think he's a better character in like 98, 99. But fantastic match. Um, we all love it, I'd assume. Yeah. I'm getting, the party I know for a fact loves it. And were you, you just weren't there for that, were you? No, no, no. No, nowhere near there. We're not even close. We, we were Neil's Neil's house watching that one, I think. Or was it George's house? No, it was Neil's because watched 24 George's. What ones did yeah, you Yeah, 25. We went to 28, 29. Posse went to 30. And then we were both at 31. So you, what match, What Undertaker matches did you see? Hell in the Cell. The Hell in the Cell. Michaels, Punk, Wyatt. And Lesnar for me. Ah, uh, that's a very good one to be at. It actually was a good one to be at, just just because of the craziness of it. Like, it, just with the amount of people in that arena and yeah. pure silence, it was really, it was so so. When people talk about a shock factor, that was a shock factor. I uh, was in the fly, and Neil, were you? You were there? sleeping. I was. Sleeping. <laughs> I slept through the streak ending. Somebody woke me up. I think it was Michael was beside me, and he woke me up, and I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "The streak's ended," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, all right." And looked, and it's literally the the guy in the crowd. It's like, do you know the shock guy? Yeah, the meme. <laughs> um, yeah, the meme. <laughs> literally, I slept through the biggest moment in WrestleMania history. So there we go. There's a fact. It was such a shock because, like, when that feud began, you were just like, at that stage, you were like, why have WWE brought Lesnar back? Because, you know, he's lost to John Cena in his first match back. He lost at his first WrestleMania back to Triple H. And then you're like, why did they put him in a feud with Undertaker? Because he's clearly going to lose. The streak's not going to end. And nobody gave Lesnar a hope in hell. In fact, the only person that I ever remember saying Lesnar will win this was Johnny Luke. And he was adamant Brock Lesnar will win this match. And you're like, mate, Lay off the glue. There's no chance the streak is going to be broken. And then, bang, it, it was over. And you were just like, wow. <laughs> like I think we were all like your man that was in the front row in the crowd with the eyes bulging out of his head. Well, yeah. apart from you, Spock, you were sleeping. But, I, woke like, up, everyone, I woke up. I woke up. I'm fine. <laughs> everyone was in complete shock. Like, yeah. To me, like, I, 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 the only credible person you could, you could believe to beat the streak is Brock Lesnar. But me, personally, I... I don't think it should have been broke. And what I would have done is at that stage, John Cena was all like big match John and how he always wins. 
one I would have done at WrestleMania 30 is have Undertaker against John Cena. And people then would have thought, Jesus, the streak could go here, but because it is John Cena. Whereas with Lesnar, nobody thought he would break it. But with John Cena, they think here, John Cena wins everything. John Cena very rarely loses. They've never had a proper feud, and it's a WrestleMania-worthy match. I'm not talking about the one they had a couple of years ago, which was a joke. But like back then, that was that would have been a bona fide main event match. And to me, I would have had Cena against Undertaker at WrestleMania 30, but I would have had Undertaker win. The streak should never have been broken in my eyes. Sorry, I jumped way ahead. We were talking about 25. Apologies there, um, Podsy. You probably had a big thing planned for 30, but at least you've got our views on it anyway. Yeah, I was going to go 25, then 26. Um, yeah. Obviously, I was just going to go in a chronological order. But I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back. Yeah. 26, phenomenal again with Shawn Michaels. 27, I thought was a good match with Triple H. I thought the storytelling was very good, but I thought as an actual match, like as a wrestling match, or I didn't think it was all that good. But I thought the storytelling was very good that set it up for the next year. Um, I thought 20... it was weird. Yeah, that's I... the stretcher match, or he ended up being stretchered out or helped yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I hated that. I was like, what a weird. Thing. Obviously, it was a two-year plan, but I yeah. just thought this looks awful. I mean, <laughs> but it anyway, was it was a per mania in general. Yeah, as we were talking about, like Neil, you mentioned that Lesnar was the only credible person to maybe end the streak. Being at WrestleMania 28, whenever. Shawn Michaels hit that super kick and Trubich got that pedigree. I legitimately thought this could be over. <laughs> it was such it was such a good oh, was, little transition and the crowd like the crowd itself just held its breath. It was like <gasps> Yeah, like everyone there was like, Wow, I mean it, like that many thing with Undertaker, like see see the way he saved his head into the Mohawk for that match. He looked Actually, he looked scary. He like he looked like he could <laughs> kick the crap out of you. No, but he, he did. He, it made him look proper badass. And he like even the, his whole look going into that. You know where he had like the cloak over his head and stuff. And then when he like took the cloak off, everyone was like waiting in eager anticipation to see what he looked like. You know with the with the short hair, and it looked amazing. To me, he should never have grown the hair back. Like, he kept that haircut for a couple of years, obviously. But even that WrestleMania 28 were, as Potsy has said already, you know, this, the sweet chin music end of the pedigree, and everyone was just like, holy smokes, thank you, this go. But that, that the streak meant that much that people were literally on the edge of the seat watching Taker. And again, I know, I, like, I love the whole Rock John Cena match and stuff, but the best match on the card that year. The, the match that delivered the most was definitely the, the Hell in a Cell. It was superb. But again, WWE being WWE, I've tried to like blot over it and make the whole end of an era crop, which they done then, which was brilliant. They tried to bring it back for that trash they had in Australia and to try and think fans are stupid and don't remember the Hell in a Cell. Uh, yeah. Don't <laughs> fix what's not broken. Why did they do that? Baffles me. Going back. 28 and specifically that that streak and how the match ended and stuff i think WWE learned a bit of a lesson from wrestlemania 18 the rock like again the rock and hogan wasn't the best match but it, it was the match that got the crowd invested which was what way rock and cena would as did this 
but they were smart enough <laughs> to put this right in the middle and have about three more filler matches and then a half concert before they actually put the rock scene on um that's always one thing i always think when i'm watching wrestlemania 28 back i'll be like i'm actually glad they put this in the middle of the card because if they had to put this right on before rock cena you know the fans would have been i still think they would have the rock scene would have got their big like cheers for the entrances but then i think it would have slowly died but the fact that this was on the middle of the card i thought was very very good positioning from wwe would you be a fan spud of bray wyatt Yes, I know uh, Neil isn't. No, Neil, um, Neil doesn't like it. But, but talk to me about Bray can Wyatt. Can I answer that question? No. <laughs> no. Well, I, I answered it for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, are we skipping CM Punk? Yes, because cool. we already went to Lesnar. We've sort of said uh, Punk was a great match, and yeah. we know I never. I we know, no one really thought the streak was in jeopardy. We sort of thought, and we all sort of knew they were going with Cena Rock too, and it was sort of the attempt to make Punk happy. I just wanted to uh, mention that do you know the way he poured the ashes over himself? Yeah. Hot bear's ashes. That was cat litter. Just found <laughs> that out the other week, so we tidbit. Um, Bray Wyatt, yes. Um, I think I like it. He, he made a comeback in SmackDown as well. I like wow. the gimmick. I like the gimmick. He does I ramble. Don't. I know you he don't, does. yet. <laughs> Alright, go ahead. Tell us all about Bray Wyatt, mate. Go for it. <laughs> He talks rubbish. That's all I need to know. <laughs> there we go. Right. Sorry, you can't interrupt me. I thought you had a little bit more. <laughs> There's nothing more to add. Right. Okay. Well, stop speaking to. That's that's everything I have on Bray Wyatt. He's rubbish, apparently. <laughs> I like the gimmick. I like the entrance. I think he's underrated as a wrestler. I don't think they allow him to wrestle the way he has the ability to wrestle. I never thought that it was in jeopardy. I quite like the Undertaker spooky person versus spooky person. His hair wasn't as scary as Undertaker's. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I, I am a big fan of it. I like the, the spot where he's doing the spider walk, um, the backwards sort of arching thing. Uh, and Undertaker sits up and Bray looking terrified. I think that's worth doing the match alone. Yeah. Personally? Personally, I know others have different opinions, but that's my personal opinion. What do you think of him, Patsy? Wyatt, I think he's been a, vi- a victim of very poor booking. Um, I also think he's been a victim of maybe the writers, I guess, or the promo people, whoever creates his promos, of maybe not giving him a lot of stuff to work with. Because when he talks, he talks extremely well. You can tell he's charismatic. You can tell he can pull out a brilliant promo but maybe the stuff that they're giving him isn't great so there are times where he just sort of says things and you're like huh i think i think he's got great freedom and he does just come off like a bit of a he, he did poetry for gcse and <laughs> this is what he's going with uh, he did talk in riddles and circles he had the crowd behind him he had the whole world in your hands and stuff yeah. like that i was a fan well, my issue the time. with him um, he can't cut a brilliant promo if you need a flippant translator to make out what he's saying. <laughs> oh, God. Can make out what he's saying. Can make out what he's saying. He's speaking the same language. <laughs> Makes no sense. He may as well be talking Chinese or something. No. But sorry, I, I actually I'm not a fan, but I do agree with they have his creative booking and stuff is is hampered him badly, and he should have beat John Cena at WrestleMania 30. That because of all that, it went in the down 
downward slope for him. I'm not a fan, but I, I appreciate that he's been he's been hamstrung by poor booking. I, I get that. Yeah, and what did, what did you think um, of Taker Wyatt at WrestleMania 31? Was it a match you were bothered about? You're just like, oh, Taker wins, whatever. Who cares? Well, it was good to see Taker come back because you know he'd been away since the streak had been broke. So, but it was one of them ones being there. You never really thought Wyatt would win. It was one of them ones where you thought Taker will get the get the win back at Mania here because of the streak last year being beaten. Yeah. So I never. I, I just. I can't. I, I didn't see Wyatt as a credible threat to him. But sort of what Spud says earlier on, even being in the ring with Undertaker, you know, would be a good thing. But for someone like Wyatt, he probably, if he was trying to establish himself, Ryan Dennis, like the face of fear, that was his whole gimmick thing, and he was trying to do that putting him against Undertaker who's never really going to win sort of diminishes the whole face of fear thing where he, he a lot of people a lot of his fans see him as a modern day Undertaker which to me is nonsense because he never really got that big win so and he still hasn't to be honest I feel like so he was never going to be seen as a credible threat the Undertaker in my eyes um, so it was just like a routine win but the spot that Spud talked about where he did that spider walk and Taker got up. That was pretty cool, to be fair. Yeah. But I, I, I just I never saw him as a credible threat, and I still I still don't, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Taker, as time went on, literally was appearing less and less. Um, and Spud, <laughs> the only really other two WrestleMania matches worth talking about is probably Roman Reigns and AJ Styles. Give me some thoughts on those two matches. Uh, just before I do, the Roman Reigns one was awful, but at least he knew that. Um, <laughs> the AJ Styles match, I actually, this is one of the reasons that I think um, he's not going to retire. I think this gives a mad, massive avenue um, to have like one big cinematic match every Mania, whether there's crowds or not. I uh, don't know how it would work if they would show it on the screen. I'd be a wee bit annoyed if a major match would be like shown on screen if I was there in the crowd. But it's a different style and the ram with it. I think they did the best. I think it was the best match of the weekend. Yeah. Would you agree? Probably, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it would see when it first started. I liked AJ popping out of the casket as well. But see when they started like um bad mouthing each other it's like oh is your wife letting you out it's like (laughs) i thought it was going to be a lot more cringy than it was but they pulled it out of the bag what was the other match that you asked me about sorry about just that and reigns at wrestlemania 33 was it 32 32 what about the what about the hell in the cell with shane mcmahon which made no sense oh yeah uh, i was kind of glossing over that because i didn't care about it to be perfectly honest but if you want to talk about it by all means for the love of mankind i hate michael cole just for that call one that one call when shane jumps <laughs> I, off and goes through the <laughs> i know you hate michael cole let me finish my sentence <laughs> see when shane moved out of the way and he goes through the he goes for the love of mankind and i hate that call um and it went way too long. Go ahead, Ned. I was just going to say that 
Michael Cole is definitely up there alongside Bray Wyatt of wrestling characters I cannot stand. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Michael um, Cole is the worst. Yeah, not a plan. John um, Cena, the John Cena match is quick, painless. Uh, was fine for what it was. It, it honestly yeah. for the for the people that were there in the crowd, at least they got to see Taker come out. You know what I mean? They got that big WrestleMania entrance, and when you're at WrestleMania, it is really cool. So I think. As much as, as much as they maybe wanted to see a real match, the fact they got to see him even just come out, I thought was pretty cool. But otherwise, mostly forgettable. But a little bit of random fact fan info for you guys. And Spud, you'll know one of these. The Undertaker main evented the first ever Raw with who? I know who win. I know who it is. <laughs> Damien Demento. It is. And another piece of Raw history with The Undertaker is it Undertaker and Stone Cold. Drew a 9.5 rating in 1999, and it's the highest segment in Raw history. Yeah, everybody thinks it's the Rock for uh, the Rock Man Count. Uh, this is your life thing. I think that was the but first. Not. That was the one that WWE beat WCW and stayed in front of WCW that it didn't change again. Right. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm getting confused at. But 9.5. That's. I mean, they're only like scraping a two at the minute on Raw. Not even. Uh, obviously, it's different. Different time, different era, DVRs, Sky Plus, and whatever. Um, but yeah, that's insane. That's a lot of people. Yeah, nine point five. Yeah, I would be, I would be more alarmed with the people that have tuned out. To be honest with you. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, and speaking of, what do you mean? Wait a minute. What do you mean? He means uh, how many viewers they've lost since nineteen ninety nine till I'm, now. The difference I'm is what I think he means. Yeah, I'm saying it's a different time in terms of there has been a drop off, obviously, but there's people tape it uh, on DVRs and Sky Plus, so I don't think it's anywhere near that 2.0 that they're scraping by. But yeah, no, I get what you mean. Obviously, 9.5 is a big giant, but, but ratings literally mean nothing to actual wrestling fans. Yeah, that's why I hate every Wednesday or Thursday the ratings coming out for the big war that isn't actually happening between NXT and AEW. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's like the Cold War. It's, it's uh, the war just itself there. is actually non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just reaction, the Undertaker's career in general, Spud. You've said before he's one of your favorites ever. Might be your favorite ever. Um, mm-hmm. I put it out on Twitter. Um, does he make the Mount Rushmore, Spud? You first. I hate the Mount Rushmore. It is. It's question. hard, isn't it? It's because you I think you have to do generations with Mount types, Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah, because literally. It, if you're going by like what affected why I like wrestling, right? So Stone Cold, Undertaker, Jr. has to be up there. Vince McMahon has to be up there. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's too hard to make Mount Rushmore, but he is. What, in... what about Damien Demento? Is he not up there? Damien Demento, <laughs> sure, yep. And uh, Ray Wyatt, the executioner. Not? Yep. Uh, um... But. He should be in everybody's top ten. They always give him that sort of backhanded compliment that he's the number one character of all time. Yeah, or the, best, or the best but, big man or whatever. Yeah, but I think he should be. We were talking earlier about technical wrestlers, and then is he the best worker? No, he's not. When you look back, he's not even in the top 20 of the actual best wrestlers, when you really think about it. I'd also not put uh, post uh, neck break Stone Cold and the best wrestlers. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so it's 
he carried a gimmick, a ridiculous gimmick. When you think about it, he's a big zombie. That why would a zombie be working in a Undertaker's? That doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. So I think he is the ultimate of grabbing the br- brass ring and well, grabbing the ball and running with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, fantastic career. Could have retired ten years ago and been proud. Could have retired fifteen years ago and been proud. Um, dragging it out a bit now but yeah just for the pop of the crowd what's that noise speaking of pop <laughs> are you like cracking your knuckles or something i can't hear a thing i'm just here i can just hear you talk no i can hear there, there's a definite popping sound there it's like popping anyway sorry uh one of the best of all time definitely in my top three personally yeah neil anything add about the undertaker and say the mount rushmore conversation or i would agree with spud in terms of it needs to be generational or it needs to be maybe a theme to it rather than just like i just adjust the mount rushmore yeah i I would agree with that as well if if the mount rush if your mount rushmore was based on your favorite wrestlers he would definitely be on mine but for the overall mount rushmore you know for wrestling in general it would have to be a generation because flip the there's a list as, as long as the length of your arm that you know you'd to consider for Mount Rushmore, but for he would definitely be in my top faves, like without a doubt. He's he stood the test of time, you know, he's tweaked his gimmick here and there. He's had great matches over the years, he's had the streak, he's won titles, he's won Royal Rumbles, etc. etc. I, I don't really think his, his achievement should be scoffed at at all. He's had a fantastic career. Like I said, I got into the wrestling in 2000, and when Taker came back at that Judgment Day, like it was amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Just pop. the poppy gotten the brilliant pop. Jr's commentary. There's Jr again, like you're saying, Spud. His commentary makes it, and just he came back, cleaned house and stuff. You'd put him on your Mount Rushmore, and I'm sure he's very privileged to be alongside Stephen Richards, Val Venus, and the Good Father on your uh, on your personal Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Squared. <laughs> Here, do you know one thing I didn't realise when you're speaking there about the good father? I didn't realise that until the documentary that the Undertaker's actually very good friends with the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. They're very close I, and I didn't see that. that. AJ's B- kids and Taker and stuff. BSK. See the tattoo on his stomach? It's backstage crew and it's him, Godfather, Yokozuna, uh, Bran. Brian Adams, that's not right. What do you call it? Brian <laughs> Adams is that singer. Yeah. What do you? I forget his name. Uh, I know he ba- was in he Chronic. Was in, he was in Chronic, yeah. yeah. And I, I, it is something Adams. Apologies. Well, if, but I was looking at the pictures and I'm like, see, on the documentary, the last episode, the amount of people that he's sort of close with that he's lost as well yeah. is crazy because he's been in the business so long. Uh, literally, there was like three people that have passed in one of the uh one of the pictures um so yeah it's it just shows you how long it's been but it also shows you the sort of dark side of wrestling unfortunately yeah but bit of a downer isn't it yeah it is but over <laughs> overall um an unbelievable career an unbelievable yeah. career i don't i agree with you i don't think he's retired i think I don't see one of WWE's biggest ever, if not the biggest ever, as you said earlier, the character. 
he's just going to retire via a documentary on the WWE Network. You know, there's it'll all, be in a WrestleMania. Yeah, I feel like there'll be something. I think it'll be Survivor Series. Bang on 30 years. Could this be year's spud. Survivor Series. Could be Spud, yeah. No, it's not a bad shot, you know. It's not a bad shot. Um, if there's crowds, if there's crowds back, even sort of 50% or whatever way they're going forward, I think that'll be a big shout for it, at least. So, in the long and short of it, unbelievable career, tremendous character, one of the best ever, one of the WWE's goats, I would say. Um, anything, he, anything he did, he was very good at doing. Um, the only, the only, the one. There's one segment that always pops into my head that I always hated was when he abducted. Was it um, Teddy, Teddy Teddy Long? Yeah, and that was, just, that was very, very poorly done. But I would put that down to creative rather than him personally. But overall, phenomenal career. Yes, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't. If anyone disagreed with you, you did need to have their head looked at. I think. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on once again, Neil. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me again. It's been uh, a real pleasure. Yeah, and then Spud, um, thank you for your time and thank you for once again your your knowledge from when he first debuted right up to the end. I feel like you've been there and done it all, watched everything with The Undertaker. Pretty much, mate, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for having us on. Really appreciate it, mate. Just like to give a shout out to the fake flirtations they're a band that did the theme tune that we've sort of been using in the past couple of podcasts they're a local band that i sort of know uh with their song closer their ep self-titled's out this year check them out on spotify give them a like bands need help at the minute with everything going on they don't have much income coming in so try and support them just by giving them a like and you can follow me on instagram orange spud or twitter orange spud one if you want to see me try and make fun of donald trump or if you just want to give Spud abuse, you can also use both those hashtags yeah. and just fire abuse can, at him. Yeah. And you can fire abuse, tell me I'm an idiot, and give us ideas for future podcasts as well. It's always helpful. Yeah, and Neil, where are you on social media? I am C on both Instagram and Twitter. Once again, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we'll be back with you next week. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. lads. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.